You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. If you're familiar with my work, you know that one of the big pieces that I push for is working on yourself as you're working on addressing your relationship issues. In fact, uh, if you look in my book, How to Save Your Marriage in Three Simple Steps, I talk about these three steps. And, and the first one is about connecting with your spouse. That is about making sure that you're, you're creating what feeds a relationship, what is necessary to nurture a relationship along. But then I have two other pieces. And one of those is changing yourself, and the other is creating a new path. Now, the creating a new path is a a place of bringing together your best self and bringing together the connection so that you're building this new platform for your relationship, what I call being a we. We are in this together. We're a team. And then there's that middle piece, and that's what I want to focus on today is that middle piece of changing yourself and why your spouse may not notice the changes that you're making in yourself. There are really three core reasons. There are some other pieces that we could talk about, but these are the three core that you need to be aware of because you're here doing all this work. You're trying to make sure that you've made a change in your relationship and yourself and the path that is following and then you get this notification from a spouse that that things aren't changing, that they don't see the changes, and that can be very difficult. So now let's talk about why I talk about this changing yourself, because that's a background. Because a lot of times people say, what do you mean I have to change myself? What's wrong with me? Why can't my spouse love me? And that's an interesting question. And so let me be very clear in saying that when I say change yourself, I am not saying that something is wrong with you. I am saying that there is a common piece that is wrong with almost everybody in the adult population, which is that we have times where we get stuck. If you follow my Thrivology podcast, you may know that we've been working through a getting unstuck process because we all have time, have those times when we find ourselves just kind of stuck, unable to move and un, not growing, not expanding, and maybe even contracting. Sometimes we're not even aware that we're stuck because we don't know that that's what life is about, this growth and this changes and these learning new things and making an impact. And so we get lured into this comfy place, you know, where we're just kind of copacetic, as my father often used that word, where we're just floating along And nothing great is happening, nothing bad is happening. And then we realize that we've been losing ground all along. And so I talk about this changing yourself because that is a core element. Who are you bringing into this relationship, this new relationship? Well, yourself, right? And you are the best tool that you have for restoring the relationship, but your best self is what is the best tool for restoring the relationship. So when I talk about this changing yourself, it's not about something being wrong with you that you have to fix, but really I'm looking at four core pieces. One is stepping into responsibility. That's a big change for a lot of people of saying, okay, I am going to be fully responsible for my life. If you look around, you'll see a whole lot of evidence in our culture that what we're trying to live on is it's not my fault, right? Pointing the finger somewhere else, it's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault that things are where they are. And we even apply that to ourselves. It's not my fault that my life is this way. And yet we're the only place that can make a change. The question of fault is not very helpful or useful in this process because 
if it's out of your control, there's nothing that you can do. If there's no place for you to enter in, there's nothing that can happen. And yet, if we step back, we realize that the only place that things can change in your life is from you, of stepping in and saying, okay, I'm going to take responsibility. Now, responsibility, big word. I'm not talking about blame. When I say responsibility, I'm not talking about saying I am at fault as much as to say I am response-able. I'm able to respond. I'm not going to have to react. I'm not frozen in place. I get to choose my responses. And the other two possibilities of that are there's nothing I can do and I'm reacting to everything. So that midpoint of choosing our response is what I'm talking about. Stepping into responsibility, the ability to respond, is what I'm talking about of this change. The other thing I'm talking about is stepping back into life. Sometimes we, we just are floating along and, and life is passing us by, but we aren't engaged in life. And so part of that change is choosing how you're going to step into your life, how you're going to step up in life, how you're going to find some new places of, of growth for yourself, or new places of, 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 of capacity for yourself where you're growing into something new. So you're stepping up and into your life again. It's the only life you got, right? And so time to grab it and move forward with it, which really is about the next one, which is showing up. Showing up is being truly invested when you're with somebody, not just kind of tuning them out and pretending they're not there, but really showing up, really being present. You know what it looks like when, when somebody truly shows up. Their, their eyes are full and they're listening to you and they're not just hearing you and waiting for their chance to respond, but they're really listening and involved and invested in the interchange is there. That's what I'm talking about of showing up to life, showing up to people in your life. And then the last one is shifting energy. What I've noticed is a lot of times people get to that place in, in life where they, they're waiting for something to energize them. And only thing that's coming is negative energy. And there's a place where it's always a, you know, kind of a complain fest. And what we're talking about in this change is really shifting the energy to a positive direction, shifting the energy to say, I'm going to choose where we're headed. Now, notice how all of that kind of cascades. You've got to step into responsibility and say, I can make a difference in my life in order to step up your life. And in order to show up, you have to have stepped up your life. And when you show up, you begin to shift the energy around that to something more powerful. So let's say you've done all that. You've read my material. You've heard my podcast. You've uh, listened in at Thrivology and at Save the Marriage. And you're making these changes. You're working to connect with your spouse. You're changing yourself and you're trying to create a new path. And your spouse just doesn't see it or at least doesn't say it. You know, don't express that they're amazed by the changes you're making. Or maybe they even say, I don't see anything different. You know, you may say, haven't you noticed all the things I'm doing differently and how I'm different in the world? And they say, it looks the same to me. I haven't seen any change. That's very frustrating. It's very hurtful and discouraging when that happens. But let me remind you that just because they don't see it doesn't mean you haven't made changes, that you haven't made some courageous changes in your life. And that's really what we've been talking about. When you choose to change yourself, you're making courageous changes because it takes courage to go against that fear, that inaction, and it takes something to step into in order to move to a better place. So there you have been making those efforts. You have been working to change your life and you run into the wall. 
I've heard this so many times. In fact, the reason I decided to do this podcast is because in the last two days, I've gotten five emails from people saying, I don't know what to do. And they'll name the changes they've made in their lives. And they are significant changes. And then they have a conversation with their spouse about, you know, can't you see that things have improved? Can't you see that I'm reacting differently? Can't you see that I've changed my approach to life? And in all five uh, places, the spouse said, I don't see anything different. Nope, I don't see what, what's different. Maybe you're a little more pleasant here and there, but I don't see any significant changes. How do you make sense of that? You could have been working on this for months and feel like you made great progress. In fact, when I've had these conversations with people, they can tell me all of the ways that life is so much better for them and all the ways that they're seeing the positive changes in their lives and how it's affecting their family and how it's affecting their job and how it's affecting their own energy level and people around them and even the community around them because now they're making an impact. They're making some differences around them and they're really plugged in and changing their life and the life of those around them. That's amazing work, courageous work, only to find a spouse doesn't see it. So why might that be the case? Why might your spouse be the only one in your world that's not noticing the differences? So many times I've had people say, my family has noticed this huge difference in me. My friends have noticed this huge difference in me. I've gotten promotions at work because of the changes in my life, and I can't get through to my spouse. The one person that I want to see, I want to have see me differently, the one person I want to have say, wow, you're making a difference, doesn't see it. Why is that? Let's talk about the three reasons that I think are the biggest ones that cloud the, the view. And, and I'm going to go not in order of importance, but just to note the three of them. The first one is about consistency. It's possible that your spouse is seeing a level of inconsistency that you're not aware of. This comes on several different ways. One is that you keep trying different approaches to the relationship. And you see what your spouse is seeing is the outward actions of you, not just how you're living your life, but how you're working the relationship. And so you may have changed your life in, in a great many ways as an individual. But as you're working on the relationship, you might be inconsistent with your approach. The reason I say this is because I've watched so many people stumble around for finding the right approach. There is so much information out there, and there are so many ideas that are pretty much opposites of each other on what you should be doing to deal with a marriage crisis. For instance, I talk about connection and building the connection with somebody, and then there are others who talk about no contact, and they have this no contact rule, which, by the way, I, I think is a failure, but that's because I come at it from a very different approach. And so some people have, uh, and I've, I've heard it, but some people have told me that there is a shift, and the shift is between trying to connect with their spouse, and then they see this no contact, and so they cut off all contact. And so here they have been working on building a, con a connection with their spouse and really building up that feeling of being in this together and all those things. And then they go, oh, no contact. So they cut off all communication. Now, internally, they may not notice the difference because they're just following this outside thing. They're following a technique or a tool rather than looking at the approach. But to the other side, to your spouse, it can feel very inconsistent and it doesn't even have to be that blatant. What if you go from being that person who's begging and pleading and coercing and manipulating and using reverse psychology, and then you go, oh, that's not working, so I'm going to now do the connection thing? Well, that feels very different to your spouse. 
And so when you start looking at all these approaches, what people have have done is instead of going, what is the approach that makes sense? They're looking for what's the magic technique that's going to break through. When you fall into the, I've got to find the right technique, you get into trouble. I see this all the time, even in, in my own program, because people think my apology letter is a technique. My apology letter is part of an approach. It's about taking personal responsibility for yourself, and it's also about trying to create a connection. But so many people say, well, I just, you know, I want the technique. Tell me how to do that apology letter so it'll turn them around. And one of my big pieces of an apology letter is how it changes you, how it turns you around, not the relationship, but how it changes and alters your approach to the world. So notice the difference between techniques and approaches so that you're not caught up in the inconsistencies. Sometimes people are working very hard on the relationship, so hard that they have also forgotten to work on themselves. That's another place of consistency. You have to be doing these three pieces that I've talked about of connection, of changing yourself and creating a new path. They have to be simultaneous. Now, sometimes you have more uh, capacity of working on one than another. For instance, let's say your spouse doesn't want to have much to do with you in connection. That gives you plenty of time to work on changing yourself. Then suddenly you're off on a vacation or a trip with your spouse. You probably don't want to spend a lot of time working on yourself. You want to make sure you hold yourself, right? You want to stay consistent with yourself, but that gives you a chance of working on that connection. So you want to make sure that you are working uh, equally on these things. You can't, you can't save a relationship without changing yourself. It's just not possible. Now there's another place where the consistency comes in, and that's that you revert to old behavior, We often want to believe that we can change instantly and overnight. And in fact, that's often what we promise a spouse. I've heard it before. People say, I'll change. I'll promise I'll never do that again. The problem is the old behavior can grab us and turn us around. And so we revert to old behavior, which is why I tell people, don't announce the changes you're going to make. Be the changes you want to make. Don't tell the other person how you're changing. Change. Be that change. Because whenever you tell them, you create an expectation and not always a positive expectation. Sometimes that expectation is, oh, we'll see about that. We'll see if you've really changed or not. And so they're constantly looking for places where you revert to old behavior. You see, we're often much more aware internally of our changes than what necessarily come across out there. And so if there's even a hint of the old, if your your spouse somehow gets a whiff of your old behavior, it's going to smell like you're in the old place again. And that's true for all of us because you know, let's say you do 90% of the time that change and then 10% of the time you revert to the old behavior. Well, you've just handed over a 10% lens through which to judge all of you. That 10% becomes 100%. Just because your spouse is not noticing the other pieces due to the inconsistencies, due to the places where you reverted to old behavior. So consistency is incredibly important in making sure your spouse can step into a place of trusting the changes. And, And really, this isn't about judging you as a bad person, a broken person. It's that your spouse is wanting to know if they can trust what's happening. And you want to build that trust up. Yeah, it'd be nice if your spouse says, yeah, I want to build that trust up with you too. But 
you're the one who's here. You're the one who's working on this. And that's why we're approaching it from this direction. You need to make sure that your consistency is nailed down. This is one of those reasons why I really suggest that people have a plan, a written down plan of what they want to do and that they track it every day. That's Those are two pieces that I really push, especially when I'm working with my coaching clients and with the virtual coaching members to have a plan and to track it every day. And, and we have some feedback ways of doing that because I find that to be so important. But you don't have to have other tools. You can do that yourself. You just want to make sure that you've got your plan down and that you are really tracking that every day. So you're reviewing that. That makes it something that's not just an act you're putting on, but it makes it for real. It makes it a true change in your life. Okay, so the second reason why uh, your spouse may not be able to see the changes is because of their own anger and resentment. Anger and resentment is, it's like a cancer to a relationship. Now, do remember that the anger and resentment comes from hurt, right? And so the the anger is a secondary emotion to the hurt. And the resentment is the follow-up to anger when you don't have a place where you can process that anger or your, your spouse doesn't have a place to process that anger and the anger comes becomes deep-rooted and becomes poison to the system. That's the resentment. But the anger and resentment create a lens of understanding of you. So they're hurt, they're angry, they're resenting you, and suddenly everything is viewed through that. It's a powerful lens, which is why I I provide that whole section uh, in my system on dealing with anger and resentment, both your own and your spouse's, because it's such a powerful place and it has to be dealt with. And so sometimes when your spouse has that anger and resentment, you've got to find some ways of bringing the healing and moving back to the hurt. Anger pushes people away. Hurt is a different matter. Hurt is a way of moving towards people. Um, If I say I'm angry with you, you're automatically going to be on the defensive. If I say what you said hurt me, you're likely to want to figure out how to fix that. And that also changes the listening of process of a relationship. So sometimes your spouse's anger and resentment can be what's blocking them from seeing the changes in you. And let me remind you that your own anger and resentment can keep you from showing up and really making these personal changes. You've got to let go of your anger and resentment. So you might say, how do I do that? Well, anger and resentment follows a path of forgiveness. When as there's a forgiveness process going, it falls away. Also, empathy and understanding of the other person allow you to release that anger. The empathy and understanding are based in the fact that you recognize that the other person is doing the best he or she can no matter where they are, given where they are, but no matter what's going on, that's what they're doing. The other reminder is to remember that people do things not against you, not to hurt you, but for themselves primarily. And so a lot of the times we can look at the the scenery of what's going on. We can look at the actions of a spouse and go, oh, okay, that's that's really less about me and more about them. And so now I can put that into that context and realize they're doing the best they can. It can be hurtful. It can be painful. But that doesn't change that fact. So now I now step into this place of trying to forgive, working the process of forgiveness. Now that brings us to the final reason that your spouse may not be able to see the changes that are happening. And that's what's known by social psychologists as confirmation bias. This is known as a, uh, a cognitive uh, bias um, and it's really a cognitive distortion. Co- confirmation bias, you can look around and see it all around us, is when we look around for proof of what we already believe. 
we humans like to believe that we're open-minded, that we're willing to try out new ideas, that we're willing to be challenged. But in actuality, what we're doing is looking for people who, who believe the same way we do and looking for proof that supports what we believe. If you've ever tried to argue with somebody who believes something that you consider to be outlandish in some way, whether it's a religious belief or some belief about some conspiracy theory or something else, you'll notice that no matter what you do, you can't get them off that page. For every logical argument you have, there's an, a counter-argument that you're going to believe is completely illogical and crazy, and yet that works for them. You'll notice that these days in the political debates, you, know, you, talk, you watch people and people will show them the evidence that maybe their favorite candidate has not been completely honest and they rework it completely and try to discredit the other side. That is confirmation bias. We all have confirmation bias. We all seek evidence that proves what we already believe. That's just the nature of humans. We also like to refute whatever challenges our behavior. If you want to look for proof of this, uh, even in the people who do research, look at the scientists who keep reworking what they believe. And you'll notice that there are a lot of researchers who finally will go back and look at the evidence that was considered to be um, not useful evidence that went against what they were trying to prove in their experiment. This has happened over and over and over, and it's, because, it's not because they're trying to fool the public. It's because they fool themselves with a the confirmation bias. Many, many researchers have gone back and said, oh, wait, this was there all along. This refutes what you said all along, but they can't see it in the moment because they already have their belief in place. This happens over and over. It's the paradigm issue that we all have, the paradigm problem that I talk about in my material, that once we have a paradigm, it's very hard for us to change it until it finally doesn't work for us. So part of what you're dealing with is the confirmation bias that's already there. So what do you do? Well, here's the bad news. Those three pieces are very typical of lots of people who have gone through a difficult situation. Most of us try to judge what's going to happen in the future based on what's already happened. And when we do that, we trap people by who they've been and where they've been, even as they're making changes. Here's the good news. There is a way around this, and it only requires one thing for you to make your changes solid, to make sure you have nailed them down and make sure that you are completely consistent, that you have worked through that anger and resentment, and then you allow that confirmation bias to kind of crumble. Because the thing about confirmation bias is it's not like that's forever. If somebody can repeatedly show a different behavior, eventually it makes it through to the other person. Only, though, if they're consistent over time, consistent, 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 and they've worked through the process of bringing healing in. Don't look for a little secret, a technique for fooling people into thinking you've truly changed. You really want to change. And once you've done that changing, you want to nail it down. Now, am I expecting you to do 100% perfect behavior? Absolutely not. But I do know that if you continue working your, your program and working on making those changes, the permanence that's there makes it almost irrefutable that you're a different person. And that begins to filter through. 
as you work through this, if you need help with this, we do have resources. I have coaches who can work with you one-on-one. I do have some spaces for people one-on-one in coaching um, that I also do that. We also have a virtual coaching program for people who have gone through the system. That VIP program is a way for people who have the system because then they have the basic unit of understanding to really step it up, to find some other resources to stay on track. If you're interested in that, uh, you can find a link or you can, can just go to savethemarriage.com slash virtual coaching and read about that. You can also contact me, Lee, at savethemarriage.com if you're interested in coaching and we can get that going for you. Otherwise, know that we're here for you. We're pulling for you. We're ready to help you. Let us know how. Stay constant and consistent with your plan. Make those changes and you'll see a difference in your relationship. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best for a thriving, saved marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.